Well, good morning. Welcome. Welcome everybody here, everybody online. Uh, as most of you know, my name is Eric Birch, one of the associate pastors here. Um, I will take my seat also. So we are finishing up this series with uh, Identity in Christ. We have one more message after this, and then uh, kind of hard to believe we have an entire year here of, of uh, this uh, uh, theme that we've been on. And hopefully um, you have a really strong understanding of where you are in Christ and our identity. Um, last week we saw that we are citizens of heaven and citizens of the United States. One is an eternal citizenship and the other is a temporal one. Um, and each of those come with requirements. Uh, we have to take an interest in the land we live in, seek good to do uh, among our neighbors. We should care about the environment. Um, we uh, need to learn to share the truth in a manner that um, encourages people to listen. Um, and we can't forget that we're citizens of heaven, and therefore we must share those truths that God has given us to share with people. So today we're going to kind of look at our transition, and our focus verse is going to be in Colossians 1.13. But to put it in context, I'm going to start at verse 11. So verse 11, uh, Colossians verses 1, 11 through 13 says, Strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all perseverance and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transfers us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So we're joyously give thanks to the Father because he has qualified us for a share in the inheritance of the saints of life. And the word translated here um, as qualified is an interesting word. It's only used twice in the New Testament. Um, and it comes with a sense of a present capability, uh, but not a present possession. So I kind of think of it as like being pre-qualified for a mortgage. You don't have a mortgage yet, but you've been qualified for one. So you've met all the requirements you need in order to get a mortgage when you want one. Um, and so that's where we are here. We're qualified for heaven, but we're not there yet. Um, and so what's the qualifications for heaven? Well, clearly we know that salvation uh, is the qualification for heaven. And so once we've accepted the um, gracious gift of the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, um, then we have um, qualified for heaven. Um, and there's no other qualifications. There's certainly more processes. I mean, there's the process of sanctification, baptism, all these other processes. But as far as being qualified for heaven, that's the only one you have to have, is that you believe in Jesus Christ, right? And so if we look at Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 43, it says, and this is at the, at the cross, remember this, uh, with the criminals that were hanging with him, it said, starting in verse 39, one of the criminals were hanged there, were hurling abuse at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other responded in rebuking him, said, Did you, don't you even fear God, since you are under the same sins of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our crimes. But this man has done nothing wrong. And as he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Um, so the criminal recognized Jesus Christ for who he was, and that he was in his kingdom, he was going through his kingdom, um, and that that's why he was in the world. And um, th at that moment, met all the requirements for heaven. 
And Jesus told him, said, today, when you die, you will be with me. Um, so he wasn't baptized. He didn't attend church. He didn't pay his tithes. You know, he didn't do a uh, you know, requisite amount of community service. No, he was done. He accepted Jesus Christ for who he was. Boom, he is now qualified for heaven. Um, and so for every true believer, um, there is sufficiency for the quality for the qualification of the inheritance that we have from God. And, of course, what is an inheritance? Well, if we think of the world, what's an inheritance? Well, when the, the parents die, they give all their stuff to their kids or to whoever, right? The sons and daughters inherit uh, the possessions of the father. Well, in our case, of course, because when we come to know Jesus Christ, uh, we become sons and daughters of the father, and therefore we're entitled to the inheritance of God, which is, among other things, heaven. Um, and so it's um, basically everyone who accepts the great mercy of God is qualified immediately for, the, um, for heaven. 1 John 3, 1 says, See how great the love of the Father has given us that we would be called to be children of God. In fact, we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. So as children of God, we, were, we are fitted or qualified for an inheritance from God the Father. And again, heaven is our inheritance of the saints. So who are the saints? Now, in our faith, saints are anyone who believes. You know, in, in I used to be Catholic, and a saint, you always had to do something supernatural, um, and then you got voted by the cardinals and all that kind of stuff, and then you could become a saint. Well, we did do something supernatural. We became new creations because we accepted Jesus Christ. So we became... What, something that we weren't before, we became a new creation. So we're the saints. And it's, it's no surprise that the world doesn't know us because we're something new. We're something different. We aren't what we used to be. We're new creations. I've always thought of a sort of like of a biologi uh, biologist is sort of walking along and came upon an animal he'd never seen before. He'd be like, what is it? I don't know. Never seen one of these before. I don't know what it is. Um, and that's the way we are. We're, to someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ, we're something completely different. We're a new creation. Um, and then the, um, if you look at in verse 12 there, it states that we are the saints in light. What does it mean to be in light? Well, the saints of light means that we dwell in the light. Um, the light of knowledge, the light of purity, the light of joy, the light of love. Um, and we are to reflect that love um, into the world. You know, I think of the, the uh, last night was a really beautiful moon. It's almost a full moon. And, and you think about it, the moon is reflecting the sun. Um, you know, I try to explain when my kids were young, my grandkids now, trying to explain to them that the reason why the moon looks like it does, and I'm, you probably have all done the same thing, where one person stands at one end of the house with a flashlight and you kind of walk around with these two basketball and the soccer ball going, you moon, you know. Anyway, uh, but it was really a beautiful moon last night, you know, and, and it was, you could tell because the, the, the radius that was facing the sun was just really, really bright. Um, and it was, it was that whole idea of, of reflecting the sun, you know, and that's our responsibility of being saints in the light. We are to reflect the sun S-O-N instead of U-N, but you get the idea that we're supposed to reflect the sun in the world we live in. Um, and of course, the world struggles with that because it doesn't know the sun, um, and therefore it doesn't really understand what we are. 
Um, all right. Um, so I wanted, this is sort of the point of transition that I want to get into. Um, in verse 13, it says, For he has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So I titled this message, I Am Rescued. Um, what have I been rescued from? I have been rescued from the domain of darkness. And so when we think of darkness, there's a lot of things that sort of come to mind when we think of darkness. There, of course, is physical darkness, you know, the absence of light. When I was stationed in Florida, a group of us used to like to go scuba dive in wrecks. So they had all these sunken ships that they blew up and sunk to make these artificial reefs. And so you would go dive these ships and you would, you would, you'd have to you'd tie a line off before you got into the ship because it was really easy to get lost. So you'd tie a line off before you went in the ship and then you'd swim down into these ships and the, the corridors and down the stairwells and around this stuff. And you get down to where you're in the very belly of the ship, um, you know, many floors down deep in the belly of the ship. And then we'd all turn off our lights, our dive lights, and it would be dark. And I mean dark. I mean, like, can't see your hand in front of your face dark, and you can't see walls and corridors. and It's absolute darkness. And in the beginning, when you did that, it was kind of cool. It's like, ooh, you know, kind of get the willies, and you're like, whoa, this is pretty exciting. And then pretty soon you go, this is, uh, uh, turn the light back on. Um, yeah, because it, we're not comfortable in the dark. Um, we don't like darkness. And, and it was, like I said, it was, it was such an ultimate darkness, you know, that we'd we, when we turned these lights off. And then, fortunately, because of the depths, we couldn't stay down there very long, so you had to come back up. But, the, uh, but you'd swim back out. Of course, you'd follow your line and get back out of the ship that you were in. Um, and it was really kind of a relief when you came up out of the stairwells and saw the, the light from the sun reflecting on the water way above you, um, and you knew that you were out of the darkness. You were back in the light. And, um, you know, I think of a kid when... The first times as kids, as you, you know, your parents are like, well, if you don't go to bed, I'm going to turn off the lights. <gasps> no, don't put me in the darkness, right? Um, I know I used to pull my sheets over my head. I figured, well, if they can't, I can't see them, they can't see me. So we're in good shape, right? Um, anyway, there's also mental darkness. Um, depression or other mental illnesses that can leave you with a mind that can't contain a thought other than the thoughts of sadness and sort of foreboding. Um, as many of you know, I struggled with depression for a while, and, and it was really ugly. I mean, it was just this sense that the world was going to cave in on me. And fortunately today, we have a lot of science and whatnot, and we're able to try different medicines and finally found one where I don't feel that way anymore. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's a great thing because it's, it's a terrible feeling to have that sense of foreboding, that just constant sense that the world's going to fall on you. Um, and the... Um, you know, today, the, um, the stigma of mental illness is not nearly what it used to be. Um, I can certainly remember, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, to admit you had mental illness was like, ooh, you know. And today, with all the violence that we see that's being attributed to mental illness, it's really something we can encourage people to get out of that mental darkness um, that causes um, these odd behaviors. Then there's uh, emotional darkness. And I know there's many in this room I can see that that I know that have gone through that emotional darkness when, for instance, you, lo you lose someone that you love dearly. Um, and the, um, you, just, um, you just experience this darkness that, that, that you just don't think you're going to overcome. I remember 
um, just over, um, in fact, a week ago Friday was the 40th anniversary of my father passing away from cancer. And I was just lost. I was just, the feeling, that darkness that comes over you, it was interesting. I had a, um, I talked to my mom that Friday because, again, it was 40th anniversary. It was kind of tough to, you really didn't think about it about 40 years ago. That's a long time ago. And, and it's interesting when people say, well, that's all right, you'll get over it. No, you don't. <laughs> it, it softens, but you never get over it. Um, but it's, it's um, but there's that darkness. And, you know, I can remember literally just wanting to crawl in bed and just lay there. You know, you, you, you don't want to do anything. You're just in this emotional darkness. Um, you're not interested in anything. Um, and in the case of my dad, he, from diagnosis to death, was like less than 90 days. So we didn't even have time to think about the fact that he was going to die. It just happened. Um, and so it was really tough. And so the... Um, you know, so again, an emotional darkness, again, takes time to get through. And in scripture, we have the idea, um, darkness is defined as ignorance. Um, like Psalm 82, verses 4 and 5, it says, Rescue the weak and needy, save them from the hand of the wicked. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk around in darkness. Um, again, the, the ignorant, their darkness, they don't know the truth. Um, and they... You know, Christ's mission on the earth and one of his many gracious purposes of taking away the darkness of human ignorance and letting them know the truth um, and pouring that light. And then finally, we have spiritual darkness. Um, and um, so I'm going to, the uh, first question I want to answer is what is spiritual darkness and what is its power? All right. I've been battling the sniffles this week, so apologies here. So Satan is called the prince of darkness. Um, and darkness seems to be his element. It seems to be where he exerts this mysterious spiritual influence on the human mind that he's capable of doing. And we have to realize that there's two great forces at work against each other, right? We have Jesus Christ, which is the light, and we have Satan, which is the darkness. And they're in a battle with each other. Fortunately, we know who wins, um, but there's many that are still lost in this battle. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 says, And you were dead in your offenses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all previously lived in the lusts of the flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the rest. So, thanks to the saving work of Jesus Christ, we have been rescued out of spiritual darkness. And it's vitally important to understand that while we have been rescued from spiritual darkness, we can still be tempted by it. It's not like it went away. Um, don't get me wrong. We're not under Satan's power. Uh, we're no longer, in a sense, in his slave. He's not our king. But we still struggle with his influence. Um, so I'm gonna say the, uh, I want to discuss what are the powers of darkness that we have best been rescued from and how do we overcome those powers. So the first one is darkness has the power to make us sleepy. 
So what do I mean by that? So darkness lends to sleepiness. I find it's much easier to go to bed at night when everything is dark than it is to fall asleep when the room is full of blinding light from the sun. It just makes you feel sleepy. Um, but here we're talking about spiritual sleepiness, the lack of awareness of darkness that surrounds us. Um, and we've talked about these dark influences of the world several times before, right? So we see it in our entertainment, on the internet, in our music. Uh, we see that darkness um, all around us and sort of it's, it's creeping in, so to speak, around us. And it's really easy to allow it in and not be aware that it's there. We kind of become sleepy about it being there, right? And sin can make us careless and, the, um, and indifferent. And at first, it's just a little bit. First, it's like, well, I probably should turn this off, but I won't. Uh, but I like the music. Uh, you know. Um, but the problem is, it's a slippery slope. Uh, once you get started on it. And it's a slope that, that increases in pitch as you get going. So as you start sliding down this slope, it's real easy to slide really fast down this slope. And before you know it, you're like where you never thought you'd be. Um, and so it's really important that we be aware um, and avoid the dangers of falling asleep. Um, Paul warns about this danger in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 4 to 6. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that the day won't overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then let's not sleep as others do, but be alert and sober. So we have to be aware of this sort of insidious nature of darkness um, that's around us and be ready to avoid it. Um, and have to be on guard for easing into our lives. It's really easy to do that. Number two, darkness has the power to conceal. So I don't know if you've ever been in an unfamiliar neighborhood on a very dark night where it's cloudy, you know, there's no street lights, there's no heavenly lights, you're just in the dark and you have no idea what direction you're going. The darkness is concealing the roads and everything else. You can't see what's going on around you. Um, and it's kind of a freaky place to be in because you have no sense of direction, right? The darkness is hiding everything. You could be standing on a mountaintop. Look, again, before you, there could be snow-capped peaks and a beautiful meadow below, but in the darkness, you see nothing. You don't get to see any of the beauty that's around you. It's all hidden by darkness, right? And the power of sin is like that. It can hide things from you. Darkness can hide the rocks that are in your path, the things that are going to trip you up. Um, as well as the ditches you can fall in. Uh, but if you walk in the light, um, you will see obstacles and steer clear of them. Um, and you might wonder, well, where do I find this light? Uh, well, obviously, we know in the physical world, we have flashlights. Well, in the spiritual world, we have a flashlight too, right? Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is the lamp to my feet and the light to my path. Um, and we talked about this last week. The Bible um, is our standard behavior. It's the keel of our ship. Um, it's the map that we walk by. 
And as, excuse me, as evangelical Christians, the Bible is God's word and the final authority for Christian life. If I want to know what it is that God wants me to do, how do I stay in the light? I go in here. This is my light. This is the guidance for my life. Number three, darkness has the power to depress and to shame. So we all struggle with sin in our lives. It'd be wonderful if you came to know Jesus, all of a sudden all your sins are gone and you never have a challenge again. I remember my oldest daughter when we were talking about that. We're going, Why doesn't he just wash it all away? Why can't he do that? Well, he's not making robots. You know, it's, it's a battle of my will against his will. I have to surrender my will to him. And that means there's a part of me that's still flesh and I struggle with the part of me that's flesh. Um, I always love the way Randall describes it. He says, everybody's got their own bucket of stuff. My bucket's different from your bucket. We probably share things in our bucket, but I have my own stuff I have to struggle with. There are sins that I struggle with that you don't struggle with, and vice versa. And so we all have this bucket of stuff that we are challenged by that we have to overcome. Um, and the problem with the darkness is that we can struggle against a sin and fail, and it wears us down. Um, I have a particular sin that um, I had struggled with for a long time. It's not important which one. But I would really do well for a while. I, it, it wouldn't bother, wouldn't bother me, wouldn't bother me. Then something would catch my eye, and I'd go, oh, well, let's go take a look. And then next thing I know, down the hill I went. Um, and it was really frustrating. You know, you'd, you end up thinking, oh, how did I do it again? You're ashamed of yourself. You're like, gosh, I know better than this. Why did I get there? Um, and you find, you know, disgust in yourself. And the... the um, Satan uses that against you. You, you. you feel that darkness, that oppression from your behavior. It, it's like being a prisoner in solitary confinement. You know, there's solid walls and solid doors and darkness. And no matter how hard you push against the walls or push against the door, it doesn't move. You're still struggling with the darkness. And then you find the light. And you follow the light and you can overcome. Now, I'm not going to tell you that all of a sudden that everything goes away and everything is, you know, you're going to never struggle again. It's not how it works, right? But if you hand it to God, you hand it to God, you hand it to God, he will give you the strength to overcome. Um, and I, you know, there are times in our lives that we realize that the best thing we can do to overcome something is never go near it again. You know, it's, we tend to find ourselves struggling with, with, um, things that we put ourselves back into, circumstances we put ourselves into. Finally, we're going to get to the point where we go, I'm just going to stay out of that circumstance, and then I won't be nearly as tempted when I get there. You know, I don't go to, um, what's that place over there? Um, Golden Corral, is that right? The all-you-can-eat place? Yeah, I don't go there. <laughs> I'm, like, going to get my money's worth. <laughs> it's like, I go home and have a food coma. You know, it's, yeah, it just, I know what I'm going to do if I'm there. I'm going to eat too much, so I'm not going, you know. And uh, it's always kind of, you drive past her and they're like, you know, all you can eat wings special. Oh, I love wings. Um, you know, and so, uh, again, there's a, a way out of the darkness, turn to the light. Um, God rescued us from the darkness through his son, Jesus Christ. There's a song written in 1918 by um, Helen Haworth Lemel. Which it's been translated into many languages and many songs. And the original um, song was called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. 
And in the um, chorus, it says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Again, that's when you're struggling with something, put the light, put the face of Jesus, focus on that. Ask for that recovery. We were surrendering God and accept the forgiveness and grace. Turn our struggles over to Jesus. We can begin to overcome, uh, never completely, but always progressing um, toward that end. Now, this is one that um, we really have to be careful of. Number four, darkness has the power to fascinate us. This is probably one of the most dangerous aspects of the darkness. Um, we seem to have a natural curiosity for darkness. Uh, John 3, verses 19 and 20 says, And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, so that his deeds will not be exposed. All sorts of mischief happens in the dark. Um, and if we venture a little too far into the darkness... Um, we know that sin is hidden in the darkness. Um, I remember when I was at, uh, a few jobs ago, I was responsible for computers, and we had a guy used to come in uh, late at night and use our computer to go to sites he couldn't go to. And, of course, I was tracking it, and I sat down with him, and I said, listen, you can't do this. If you're going to do this kind of behavior, you've got to go home. He goes, I can't do it at home. My wife will catch me. I'm like, okay, <laughs> you're hiding in the darkness, right? You're, you're you're thinking that somehow it makes it okay because you're hiding from the, from the truth. I said, no, you can't do it here. Um, and there's a lot of those things like it. You know, I don't struggle with a bag of Oreos or a bag of kettle fried jalapeno chips. I struggle with an open bag of Oreos <laughs> or an open bag. <laughs> you know, I have no problem not opening the bag, but once the bag is open, man... You know, I, I, I honestly think devil made Oreos. I just, you know, I mean, they're so, and, you know, it's like, it's, a, it is, it, you know, they're, they're like, they're like, well, you won't, they won't miss one, you know, and it's like, and, you know, and that's sort of the problem with sin. Sin is because we know what it tastes like, right? If you never ate an Oreo, you'd never be, you know, wanting to eat more Oreos. You know, if you never had, kettle fried jalapeno chips, you wouldn't realize how good they are, especially the ones that are folded over. <laughs> Those are great, you know. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I had a good friend of mine who, um, he'd met his wife in high school. They never had any sort of relationship with each other, went to college together, got married out of college. Um, they've never drank. They've never smoked. They've never done drugs. Um, right now, they're working as translators down in Oaxaca, Mexico, for um, Wycliffe, uh, the translators. And he and I talk about it. He says, Eric, I have no clue with what you struggle with because I've never done anything you've done. I don't have those challenges. Um, and I tell young people that. I said, because there's a reason that God wants us to have purity when we're married because he doesn't want you to be in a situation where you're in comparison, leading to disappointments and expectations and all that. There's a reason that God built the structure of how people are to know each other the way he did. The reason why marriage is between a husband and wife and that relationships outside of marriage are wrong. 
there's a, there's a purpose behind the way that God built things. And the problem with sin is that it comes with it. Once you know the taste of it, you now will struggle with it. I have a friend of mine whose father was an alcoholic. He's never drank alcohol. And I said, well, why don't you ever drink? Because I don't want to be like my father. I said, well, you don't know you'll be an alcoholic. I said, oh, boy, I know if I don't drink, I won't. <laughs> and he was absolutely right. You know, he didn't want to take the chance. And that's the way it is. So many times we're tempted to tie a little bit of something. And then the next thing we know, it's another struggle in our life. Um, and so God really wants us to be, um, avoid that fascination with the darkness. Um, and it's, it's a natural thing. I mean, it really is. It's, it's in our flesh. And we're in that battle between the flesh and, and the spirit. And, and, it, and we just have to acknowledge that it's a battle and let the spirit win. Um, all right. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, think about those things. Right? Think about those things. Think about the things that are good. Think about the things that are right. Our minds um, can be a very dangerous place uh, about what we think about. So we have to focus on the good, uh, and that will help shut out the darkness. Now, the next question I have, to where are we rescued? So we look at the spiritual darkness and the powers that it has, but we have to look at what we have been given and how it has been given to us. So again, verse 13 says, He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So we have been rescued from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of light. Now, in government, being in a republic may seem like a really great way to run a country. But when it comes to spiritual things, we want a kingdom, and we want a monarch. We want a king who is king of our lives, and that's Jesus Christ. So what do we get from that verse? Well, first of all, we know that it's a statement of assurance. We recognize that he rescued us, that God himself rescued us from spiritual darkness. Um, and not only has he rescued us, but he has given us a way to stay away from the darkness um, that still exists. And we trust in him because his work is a finished work, a perfect righteousness. He does what he says he will do. We don't have to wonder if we can trust what God says. 1 Samuel 15, 29 says, Also the glory of Israel will not lie nor change his mind, for he is not a man that he could change his mind. We know God is trustworthy. And so when he tells us that he has rescued us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light, we can trust that. We can believe that. And it's not an issue of debate or discussion of degree. It's a complete removal from one and a full transference to the other. Every soul that is in Christ has been delivered from the spirit of darkness. We've been rescued from the spirit of darkness and transferred into his kingdom. Um, and while we don't yet rest in our final location, 
presently, but we will know that we will be permanently in his kingdom. Second, it's a statement full of intelligence. The person who uttered the statement, Paul, knew what he was talking about. Uh, Paul understands that about which he talks. Notice that Paul doesn't say, somehow, when we're able to get out of this darkness. No, he said, God rescued us from the spirit of darkness. Paul is certain, because he speaks with the assurance that he has from Jesus Christ, um, that the free and gracious gift of salvation uh, and the arm that rescues us is God himself. Sinners don't save themselves. Salvation is of the Lord. Psalm 27.1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I dread? We cannot say, we cannot try to save ourselves any more than we can overcome the sinful struggles on our own. And finally, it is a statement full of gratitude. Salvation begins with surrender and continues through our life as we recognize that in all things, we cannot save ourselves. So then, this is Romans 9.16, So then, it does not depend on the person who wants it, nor the one who runs, but on God who has mercy. Only God has the knowledge and, necess- and, will, and the will necessary to rescue us. The work of salvation, the work of sanctification, is the work of the Lord. Our responsibility is only to surrender and to have a humble spirit. Uh, We need to be attentive to the spirit and wary of the encroaching darkness. It's interesting, I was talking to a person this week, and um, he he works really early, and he was driving, um, and uh, he had a green light, and he had this sense that said, slam on your brakes. So he slammed on his brakes, and the car came racing through the red light in the opposite direction, and had he continued on, he would have been broadsided. And he said, I have no other explanation except that the Spirit spoke and I listened and did what the Spirit said. And we have to be aware of the Spirit. We have to listen to the Spirit. And that's what keeps us from the darkness. When it tells you, don't go there, don't do that. Listen to it. As we grow in Christ-likeness, we gain distance from the darkness. So we have to accept that we're rescued from darkness and don't flirt with it. Don't try to walk along its edge. Run away from it. 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 12 says, but, there, but those who want to get rich fall in temptation and a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, and some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal light which you are called, and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. God has rescued you from the darkness, and you are now saints in the light. Soon, we'll have our permanent home with him. And with the sun, and on that we can be assured. Father, we are just so grateful that you have rescued us from the darkness, and you give us a path in the light, and you give us the ability to stay in the light. 
We pray, Lord, that you give us wisdom and guidance. Help us to hear your voice, to sense the spirit that keeps us out of the darkness. As we're surrounded in a world today that has much darkness, much of it insidious, much of it hard to detect, we know that you see with incredible clarity. You see the darkness where it exists. So, Lord, we just pray again that you just open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes to the darkness and help us stay in the light. In your holy and precious name, amen.